here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back at the Uncon Con with M.W. Chef Sean and Sonny Baljon. M.W. traveled to the Philly Game Expo, just me and my hybrid in a sack of dice. Rolling the D20s, looking for some crits, DMs monsters on my tail cause I'm getting those hits. One lonely PCIB, playing by myself without my homies. The lights were glaring down on my balding crown, the air was getting cold, my face became a frown. Waking up late, I saw some texts from the sky, they were from Sunny Valjean, I said hey dude, he said hi. He told me how he got there without his e-car, three hours on the road, which wasn't very far. I was at the end drinking a cup of joe. His text was sharp, he knows dry, and patience was low. He texted, can I get some? I said, you can't get none. He texted, have to run, quickly with his thumb. Now off the phone, I grabbed my game's keg. He put his bag on a chair and headed to the head. Now my name is Sonny Feldhahn, I'm the knight of the winds. I think you know what time it is as he broke wind. Now what do we have here? A urinal and a stall? Who runs this extra hall? He's just not enough at all. He stepped back to the table, he had a dice, I had an egg. You think the story's over, but there's still another leg. You can stay in your room or you can game with me. I said, I'll ride right there. You can save a seat at the table. The game's gonna fill because the DM is quite able. He role plays like this. He role plays like that. His switch games are online, are really fat. So I'm on the run to the gaming hall. And right about now, ready to have a ball. I'm Lily Lewis. That's my name. And I know this five spot with many old school games. We waited 10 minutes, then we hit the spot. The dice were bumping and the rolls were hot. This dude was staring like he knows who we are. So I took an empty spot next to him at the round. KOW said, yo, you know this kid? I said, I did, and I know he did. The kid said, get ready, cause this ain't funny. My name is Chef Sean, and I'm friends with Sonny. He pulled out his dice and shook them at the sky. Yelled, good one! DM's eyes went wide. Hands hit heads and feet pounded floor. He rolled two more crits and could take no more. I'm Chef Sean and roll for heck. New dice that are lucky is what I expect. The thief was with it. This girl and a she dropped G20s, but he fell flat on his face. Those dice out, the game almost stopped. But this boy had beef and his D20s we dropped. Chef Sean got a kill. Sonny found some gold. I cast all my spells and drank a grog that's cold. Welcome to the worlds of M.W. Lewis. This is M.W. here. It's January 5th. The year is already almost over. I know, that sounds ridiculous, but when you get older, man, time flies. Really flies. But we're five days in. It's a new year. And I'm starting the year at the Philadelphia Gaming Expo. That's right. The Philadelphia Gaming Expo. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, the Philadelphia Area Gaming Expo, my fault. 
And I'm here in pretty much in Valley Forge. I think it's called Phoenixville, but we're right next to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, near King of Prussia, just outside of Philadelphia. So over the course of this weekend, I'll do some clips, uh, talk, talk about the gaming uh, included in my next podcast. So that's uh, the brief introduction. I just arrived. I left my home down near the capital where I am in the Grog Empire, the Admiral, and a, a lot of other things in my very long title. And I drove up I-95, really easy drive this morning, no traffic, stopped at a Waffle House, which I love to eat at Waffle House, and uh, arrived at my hotel just about 12 o'clock. And uh, I'm about to get ready, and I'm four minutes away from the Gaming Philadelphia Area Gaming Expo, which is taking place at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center right here in Phoenixville. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll get some pictures and I have a game right at one o'clock. So I need to get over there pretty soon and get my badge. I'll also be seeing some other members of the Grog Empire there. I think uh, Sonny, at least, the Knight of the Winds, he will be there. And I interviewed him just a few weeks ago on my show. So I will be in games with him, I think, pretty much the whole time. He won't arrive till Saturday, and I think he's only gaming on Saturday, whereas I'm going to be gaming on Friday, Saturday, and um, I've signed up for a game on Sunday before I'll be driving back to my domicile. So keep. Uh, let's see what happens. I can't wait to see how this convention goes. I think it's the inaugural uh, Philadelphia area gaming expo. So I arrived here at the Philadelphia Area Gaming Expo just about 15 minutes ago. Maybe not even. Took a selfie already. Scouted out the whole arena. It's not an arena, but it's a gaming expo, so it's kind of like an arena. Uh, it's a, We have a good, or they have a good maybe one-third. I think we're in Hall A of this exposition, uh, exposition building. And... It's filled from front to back, and I imagine as the day wears on, more and more people will show up. Lots of games going on right now. My first game's at 1 o'clock, and I'm going to be in a game that sounds really fun. I don't know. We'll see. It's called Discos and Dragons, and it's going to be the second session. I didn't go in the exhibition hall yet, uh, the Hall of Exhibitors, but it, it looks pretty full of vendors, uh, but light on traffic right now, and I want to wait until there's a little more foot traffic in there. Uh, and otherwise, check-in was easy. It's right at the front of the of the hall that we're in. So you come in, you check in immediately at the hall. There's no running around trying to find in a check-in table and then finding uh, where you have to go. You just walk past the check-in table with your badge, and they have dividers, curtain dividers, separating the hall into several rooms and then in the rooms are several round or rectangular tables and you find your table and that's how they're doing it. I'm currently sitting in the area they they set apart for the lectures and I have to admit I'm not going to get to see a lot of these lectures because I signed up for so many games but there's some really good lectures and I'm going to talk about them real fast. I already missed uh, artist Todd Allen Smith uh, speak. Uh, at noon, I missed author James uh, Panarella. 
At 1 p.m., there's a lecture called Game Designer, or, or a talk by Game Designer Joseph Block. At 2 p.m., there's Game Designer Tom Wilson. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm reading the special guest and autograph schedule. Here's the seminar. I'm sorry. I'm sitting in the seminar section. At 2 o'clock, upcoming... Well, let me just continue with the special guest autographs and photo schedule, because that's pretty impressive. So at 3, 3 o'clock, there's game designer Bill uh, Barsh. 4 p.m., RPG industry pioneer Steve Marsh. And at 5 p.m., there's actor uh, Ronan Wong. I'm not going to go through the autographs and photo schedules for Saturday and Sunday, but there's quite a few. I'll go through those later. Let me get to the lecture schedule just, just for today. At 2 p.m., when I'll be joining a new game, there's uh, TSR uh, Watsi Q&A with Dale Donovan. At 3 o'clock, there's one I'd really like to sit in on. Do you want to live stream your game with Lord Gas Gasumba, which a lot of us know? At 5 p.m., which I think I'm gaming then also, there's a panel, The Early Days of the RPD, RPG Industry with Frank Metzer, Menser, Matt uh, Ballamy, Steve Marsh, and Jeff D. And then at 7 p.m., where I think I'm going to be gaming then also, The Business of the Gaming Business with the Independent Publishers Union, Pace Setters Games, Jeff D., Joe Block, and Greg Gillespie. Now, I'm having trouble reading this because the print in the program uh, is a bold it here, and it's, a little, it's just a little difficult to read. Uh, I don't think they chose a great font. That's a minor quibble. The program's pretty nice. You know, it's it's just saddle-stitched with one staple in the center. I think it's 8 and a half 11 by paper. Maybe not. No, it's not even 8 and a half 11 by paper. But it's folded, saddle-stitched. You know, it's fine. Uh, they are, I have to say, they're selling a little uh, 3D printed, sort of like a cheesesteak that looks like a, it's also a... Uh, a cheesesteak that's also a monster, and uh, they're selling it for, it's really small, and they're selling it for $20, and I would have, I would have bought it maybe for $5, maybe, maybe, but for 20 no, no way, uh, so, uh, that's it, uh, what, what's the monster I'm trying to think of, gosh, MW's getting old, folks, he's getting old, it's a cheesesteak mimic, cheesesteak mimic is what I was trying to say. And it's kind of small, and for the money, I'm just not, I'm not spending 20 bucks on it. So, anyway, it's almost time for me to head over to my game. It's 12.49, and I'm really looking forward to Dungeons and... What is it called now? Discos and Dragons. Sounds fun. All right, let us talk about my Friday, January 5th at the Philadelphia area game expo, the inaugural con. And uh had a great time. I I, I had my intro that I recorded at the hotel. Uh, and then I recorded my pre-game status from the convention hall. But now I'm home. I'm home. I did not really leave myself many gaps to make any kind of recordings and I was having way too much fun to wor worry about my podcast or anything like that so I was just tried to enjoy it made some notes though and, and came prepared I'm home now 
The other interesting thing, we weren't in Hall A at the expo. I guess Hall A is the largest. And then there's, we. I, I didn't realize we were on like a wing, either D or one, one of the wings, which was really right next to A, but A was much larger than I, I imagined from the outside. So anyway, that's a minor point. The point is, though, there was no food service or anything in the expo. Just a minor critique of, of what otherwise was really one of the... For me, I've never gone to a Gary Con or, or a Gen Con or anything. I never went to a big one. So this is pretty big for me. Grog Con and Dave Con are not as big as this one. Ultimately, there were over a thousand people at this convention. And so um, it, was, it was a lot bigger than I expected. Not having the food was a slight pain, but they picked a great place to have it in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, because we were in a complex that, without getting on any main roads, you could connect right to the hotels. You really, if it wasn't snowing, kind of slushy snow, I would have just walked from my hotel to the expo center. It was really close. There was a Target in between and a BJ's, but then if you wanted to go down on a main, off the main road, there was a little, another complex that had like a Buffalo Wild Wings, a Wendy's, a Wawa, some other small restaurant, like tiny, you know, rest, diner type restaurants, uh, and a Uno, a Pizzeria Uno. So I, I was able to run. We had a break during the one game, and I'll, I'll get to it. So uh, my first game was not long after that last bit I just recorded when I was sitting at the lecture area that was really nice. Uh, no lectures were ongoing yet. And I walked over to Discos and Dragons, uh, which was DM'd. I can't remember the poor guy's first name. He's a really good DM, W. Smith. And um, it was a fun game. We were running ODD, and I chose a fighting man. Now, it seemed like he was running four sessions of this, and it seemed like they were each going to be different sessions, but he was just running the same game continuously. So some of the folks from the first session stayed in the game and when he saw that there were two others that were signed up for the 12 uh one o'clock slot you know fortunately two people were, were gonna leave so we just sat in with these others who were in session one it turned out this guy lewis who was in the game he ended up being in two other games with me that day it was kind of funny so every other game i played except for the tower of mert sant this guy lewis was in we ended up getting a night nightcap at the local bar with two other guys and and so it was kind of nice to connect with people like that so that's another nice thing about playing in person you meet new people so this was a fun game though um we were just wandering around a map he had uh, um, on the table and it was farmland i was a fighting man and we were hunting down a boule which is that monster that's on on the cover or the title page of the monster manual uh and uh by, by the way he had the little there was if you were grew up in the 70s and early 80s you knew you could get these plastic monsters and there was a boulet in those plastic monster packs and and they had nothing to do with D D. and he had a whole bunch of them when i told him oh i had that little creature when i was young and he started pulling out a bunch that and i immediately recognized them all i'm like i must have 20 or 30 of these cheap plastic monsters that came in these little packages they probably still sell, sell them to this day, maybe. So, uh, we uh, had a good time, though. A lot of fighting. I like that. Not a lot of dithering or anything like that. We just tried to hunt the monster and had some encounters, and, and we finally found it. It was jewel, a jewel-spitting creature, so we dithered a little bit about maybe we shouldn't kill it and try to catch it, but he made it difficult on us, and we ended up having to 
to, to take it out, and we did, and I stayed in the game for a little bit longer after that before it was time to go to my 2 o'clock game. So I thanked the DM, W. Smith, and uh, we kind of dispersed the players, and I show up at the next game, and that guy Lewis was there. So he's in now in the second game with me. And we were playing a DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classic, which I, I did play for the very first time at DaveCon back in 2023, in the spring of 2023, and I really enjoyed it. Adam, who was DMing that game, is now in my Monday Night AD&D game, and that's really cool. So he, I hope he hears, and, uh, hears that I actually played another DCC game, and I really liked it. This one was called The Tower of the Lost, and it was DM'd by this guy Cyrus Dwayne, and he was really good. He had really fantastic handouts. I, I ended up playing uh, my first elf of this convention. And I'm saying first elf of this convention for a reason. And uh, it, it was a cool character. And, and this party, though, we had a, a kind of a big group for this one. Uh, we had a guy named... Let's see here. Uh, I had the wrong list. Uh, oh, yeah. This guy named D. Johnson. The guy, guy named... Well, is this the right list? Oh, reading the wrong list. Oh, then W, what are you doing here? We had a group, well, we had a father-son in, in it, is kind of my point. We had this, uh, the Eliases, I won't say their names, but uh, this guy, Lewis, was back in it, as I said, and we had a couple other people. Another guy I ended up playing with, again, also was in this game. Uh, but there was a little dithering going on. The setup to the game was interesting. We ended up having a an encounter that wasn't a combat encounter. And that was fun. It was a little challenge for us, but pretty easily handled. We, we did what he, he asked us to do. And, and he gave us an option there to go into the town. And it was kind of funny because it seemed to me like some people in the game thought that maybe that was a good idea. So, but other of us were like, no, we're supposed to be going to this tower. Like, that's the whole thing. And, and we knew where the tower was, actually, too. It wasn't near the town. It was in the other direction. Well, we could actually see it. So, but the, the DM kept saying, well, maybe you want to go in town and get stuff. But we were real, all actually really well equipped. This was like, a, the DM was presenting a challenge to us to, you know, maybe waste time or maybe not. So I was with the other guy. I don't know who actually was agreeing with me. But we ended up going to the tower. And as we approached the tower, we heard like a commotion. And just before, we had heard a sonic boom. And so we ended up going to the tower. This was after we decided to go to the tower. We heard the sonic boom, and we saw some smoke or something. And then we uh, cautiously approached. Someone climbed over the hill to check out what was going on, and he came back and told us he saw a fight uh, with, like, five really nasty-looking humans fighting a pretty well-dressed person who seemed unarmed and was trying to wave them off, trying to save his life. So I, not even realizing my character was lawful, I was like, we should just charge down the hill and take out the nasty-looking bandits, or whatever they are. And I said, you know, from the description, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like we would be in the right here. And the party was kind of aghast at first. They were kind of like, well, you don't want to go down and parlay or see what's going on? Is that really the right thing to do? And I don't know, I'm... I'm I'm big on picking up on the tells that the, the DM gives, because... You know, we only have four hours to play. If we were playing campaign mode and we're going to meet back every week or every other week, yeah, we made the wrong decision and didn't quite get the adventure going right away, that might not be a problem. But if 
here, if we dither too much, you know, the clock is ticking. The game is going to end at like six o'clock. So, you know, we got to make a decision. So we ended up doing the right thing as it turned down. Even though some of the others were kind of nervous about it. They thought maybe we weren't doing the right thing, but we ended up killing a few of the baddies and I think they just disappeared with a poof. And then that was the right thing to do. We ended up saving. I, I didn't write down the name of the NPC, and, and I should have, because it was really funny. But we went into a... The tower was kind of destroyed, so we kind of... You could see right inside it through the broken up door frame and all. And we went in, and the, the character NPC turned a key, and we ended up going back uh, uh, forward in time. And we had a fun... You know, DM had a fun little conversation with that really cool stuff man and it turned out there was like a hedgerow and we, the, the guy told us we had to find another key if we wanted to go back in time and you know back to the future jokes were then being spewed uh often and we made homer simpson jokes with the hedgerows and uh i my character used a, a spell because I, I, uh, the elf could use a spell and I, I walked through one tree and appeared out another tree near the where we figured the key probably was while the party distracted the robots, and that was all good fun. And uh, the, 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 the young man in the game, the boy in the game, he went to decapitate uh, everybody, and then we, we were all kind of looking at him aghast, and, and at his father, like, why does your son want to decapitate people? But we, we kept that thought to our... That, I think that was a shared thought that was kept to ourselves independently, uh, but yeah, the kid was great. He was funny, man. He was just fun. I like playing with kids and young young people. They're fun too. And uh, so I then get the key, and and he had already declared the action of the bad guy. So I said I was gonna yell to them all that I had the key, so they would, so they would turn and flee back to where we had to go. Oh, and we were fading like Back to the Future, so we knew we had to we had to get the key in the in the chest in order to get back before we faded. And, uh, but, but when I yelled it out, everyone started laughing because he made the robots turn on me to fire. So it was just a good old fun. And, uh, the, the robots weren't too high level. We were able to survive it all. And, but I, I don't think we got the key back in time to turn it because, of course, the guy we saved, the mad scientist guy, or he said he was a scholar, of course, uh, he, he was the, he was a bad guy, of course. I mean, you knew there was going to be that kind of twist. We all kind of... When he disappeared, as soon as we got there, after telling us where to go to get the key, we all kind of knew we had been had. But, uh, you know, that doesn't matter. All the dithering in the world prior to fighting those bandits wasn't going to change the outcome of this game. It, 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 although, we might not have gotten as far as we ultimately did if we had wasted more time. Because, again, there was this whole setup to it where we kind of started off a little slow helping these merchants and we did and helping these workers from a local town and uh, we didn't get too far. We didn't learn a lot from them. In fact, we didn't really learn anything useful from them. So it was just, an, I mean, I'm not questioning the DM. He put that encounter in there and we had it. But, you know, the quicker we got through it, the better. That's, that's the point. And, and we did. So that ended maybe uh, five minutes before six. And this is what I mean. I'm, I'm off. So I've been playing since 1 o'clock straight. And I had to go right to the Tower of Merzent. Merzent. M-E-R-Z-E-N-T by Frank Mentzer. So this was a fundraiser. 
He had seats for lots of people. Think think about that game that's run at GrogCon. If you ever go to GrogCon, the Incomprehensible Death. It's open to lots of people because you're going to die quickly. That's how Tower of Merzent was. I happened to be the third person killed. I'm very proud of that. I rushed in, attacked the Beholder. I killed the Beholder because we're not really playing by any rules for this game. And it blew up and killed me. And that was great. So I was the third one out. But then I realized, oh, it's only 6.30, and I'm already, my game's already done. Now, Frank said, there were, there were like 20 people waiting to get to the table. For, I got into the table at the original group, because my previous game did end a little early. Um, and Frank said we could keep playing if we wanted to, but it wasn't going to raise any more money for the charity. So I kind of wanted to just get, get into a new game. I wanted to play. I wanted to roll some dice and really play. So I talked my way into a game starting at 7 o'clock, which was a BX-listed game, and it was really fun. And this, it turned out, this guy, Louis Rebecca, maybe I shouldn't have said his last name, but anyway, it doesn't matter, he was in it again. So now this is our third game together, and we nodded at each other, and it turned out there were two people there from Virginia that had come up that day, drove up. So that was cool, too. And then we met uh, everybody at the table, which is fantastic. This game, but two of the people ended up going with me and Lewis to the bar later, which was fun, too. So the DM for this game was great. It was, um, I, I didn't read, by the way. Frank Menser's bio is in the program. I'm not reading it. You all know Frank Menser, or you should. But this DM was another notable, another special guest. It was Bill... Barsh. So if any of you are familiar with Pace Setter Games, he's been in the gaming world since 1978. He now uh, runs Pace Setter Games, and he ran his rules, his basic slimmed-down rules, called Adventurer RPG, which I ended up buying two volumes, the player and the DM, as well as the module he ran, Palace of the Vampire Queen, and another module, the Misty Isles, for a grand total of 30, I don't know, 30 some dollars maybe. All four were $10 each and I got 10% off. So, uh, and there was tax. So I did that the next day because I had such a good time. But he ran this game a little differently. We were all playing characters from the D&D &D cartoon of the 80s. So that was great. I ended up playing Diana, the... Uh, and she was a monk, which is not a monk in his rules. So that's the, if you get these rules or you actually play basic or Beck me, there are no monks. But he didn't use the AD&D monk either. He gave Diana a special ability based on the cartoon. So everybody's special ability was from the cartoon. Now, there was no dithering with this group. This group was the complete opposite of the DCC group, saving me and, and one other guy who didn't really want to dither either. That really was like, we just need to go... We need to go and, and, and take on the encounters. Don't look for other encounters or don't look for ways around the encounters. When you have a timed game, you must take the encounters. It, it is a railroad, to put it in those terms. These kinds of games are railroads. So we were being railroaded through a level of the Vampire Queen, the Tower of the Vampire Queen, and we didn't care. Palace of the Vampire Queen. We didn't care. I mean, this whole group, we were just going room to room. We, this was old school, like I was back in middle school playing with my buddies in my neighborhood. Just opening doors, either sacking the room or closing the door. 
So he just put the map down so we could see the rooms and just tell him what room we were going to. And we are having a great time. And, and Bill is a great DM. He moves things along well. He does great room descriptions to help players make decisions. All the stuff you need to do when you're running a game. And um, we had a great time. And, and we, uh, But I want to talk about the one character, Presto. The guy playing Presto was a cool guy. He ended up getting beers with us after. Uh, I think he has a YouTube show. I'll try to get more details on all of this stuff for my wrap-up for this episode. But uh, he was playing Presto, and he had a, a hat where he got he had a roll of six-sided dice to pick the level of spell that would come out of that. And then in this book, for the player's book, for his slimmed-down book, each level has exactly 12 spells. So then he rolled a 12-sided dice, and that was the spell that would come out of the hat. And he could only use it once per encounter. And it didn't matter what we were doing. He, it, whatever spell came out, it worked. It, it had an impact. And he ended up killing two members of the party using that hat. And, and you know, uh, I don't know. Some players don't enjoy that kind of stuff. But we, I was with the right group. Because I laugh when players die sometimes. I think it's funny. Especially when they die funny ways. I don't, I'm not laughing at the player. I know, I know it's not fun to them. But it should be a little bit. And we were laughing. Every time something bad happened or, or whatever, we were just having a grand old time with it. So we, I laughed a lot in that game. I really appreciated that. And we laughed a lot in the DCC game and in the Disco game. So my first day of gaming, and the Menser game, uh, and the, all four games, it was, it was not episodic. Nothing was end of the world. It's just good old, nothing dark. You know, I, I don't like that story, those kind of stories all the time. I like, you know, once in a while I want to pop in Lord of the Rings and think about weighty matters and, and true heroism where you save the world. But a lot of times I just want to pop in Conan and rob something, you know, and have some fighting. And that's nothing wrong with that. So we, we, we had a great time in that game, honestly. So, um, and I played Diana. She did some interesting things, but... At the end, we all got, it was a TPK at the end, and, and that was great, too. We loved it. Off to the bar, we had a, four guys went to the bar, a nice nice bar there between the Expo Center and, and the hotel, so it was perfect. You could drink, and, and you didn't have to go, you know, you had to cross the street to get into the hotel, So and it was not a main street, either. It was kind of like a industrial park area, so just a good wrap-up of, of Friday, so... Saturday, the Night of the Winds is showing up with Sean, who was also at the Uncon back last Memorial Day. He was at Uncon 2 in Virginia. And I was anticipating playing three games with them on Saturday, which we'll get to in my next segment of the show. Saturday started with MD scrambling to get to the Expo Center before the games began. This must have been deja vu for Sonny, who roomed with me at GrogCon 2022 and had to badger me to get my butt over to his game before it started, and I was late for it. Fortunately, the game at the Philly area gaming expo was at 9, not at 8, and I made it with enough time to run over to the flea market and spend 80 bucks on three TSR modules I3, 4, and 5, which brings me ever so closer to owning the whole i-series. Matt from Reston told me during the previous night's session of the Palace of the Vampire Queen 
that he would be selling a bunch of stuff during the flea market. So I made good on my promise to him to go over and take a look before my 9 a.m. game. I regret not haggling for lower prices because you all know I hate spending money, but I was tired and the modules are in pretty good shape. So I return to the 9 a.m. game where Sonny and Sean, whom I met at the Memorial Day Uncon in Virginia last year, and uh, were waiting and prepared to play Horror in the Holes, a Greyhawk adventure run by Jay Lord Gosumba of Twitch fame. Jay, along with Menser and Bill Barsh and a number of other DM talent, were listed in the Expo's brochure as special guests. The game was full up with seven players. Besides me and my posse, there was Ken, who played in the Discos and Dragons game with me the day before, and three others. The PC group consisted of a magic user, a cleric, and that was uh, Sonny's character. I think I think Sonny's character was just a cleric. It's possible it was an MU cleric. I can't quite remember. There was a ranger, two fighters, a thief, and my PC, a female cleric named Fion. The limit little image of her added to the player sheet by Jay reminded me of a South Philly or Jersey chick, so I immediately liked the character a lot. She worshipped the Greyhawk deity Tritherion, which I knew well from a play-by-post game I had been in in 2022 to early 2023. As such, she wielded a spear plus one and had a sense of self-righteousness. The setup was a simple sink-and-find mission, which we received from a hobbit in a small village which was being swallowed by the encroaching Hool Marshes. When we chanced upon the village, we found them under attack by giant toads. As we helped to fight off the toads, a group of bullywogs attacked. We fought them off and agreed to find the town's missing protector in return to attend a banquet later that night. And we were also giving a vial, a, a potion in a vial of vitality. My character could track, I think is part of my skills from Tritherion, or, or I can't remember now why, but I ended up being in the front with the ranger, who was also a female PC, but run by a male. Uh, so we led the party into the marshes, finding the protector, following the protector's footprints, as well as the footprints of bullywogs. At one juncture, the ranger followed the tracks to the right, and I followed them straight ahead to see if we could figure out which way to go. It didn't matter, as I sprung a trap, and ahead of me, a stone dropped out of a mound. And from, from that stone, or the hole that it made, a bunch of ghouls rushed out and attacked. The ranger, fortunately, had not receded from view, so he saw all of this happening. Fion managed to turn a few of the ghouls, but others had to be fought and killed. Then ghasts entered the battle. While we struggled to fight uh, without dying, losing levels, or getting paradise, two large crocodiles sprung from nearby ponds and attacked, and then some sort of brutal zombie also appeared. As the battle continued, we noted that Sean was rolling very poorly, as was the guy playing the other fighter, and suddenly all my luck was ending too after the turn. I wasn't hitting anymore either. It seemed like the table itself, the one we were playing on, was cursed. Sean ended up rolling a lot of critical ones throughout the remainder of the adventure, which led to Jay's perilous, the use of Jay's perilous and amusing crit table. The woman playing the magic user seemed to roll only ones or twenties, 
which was also amazingly strange. The party survived that encounter, fortunately, pretty much intact, but we moved on with only four healing opportunities left. One cure light wound that I had, that Theon had, plus a cure critical wound potion, which Theon also had, and then the other cleric had either a cure light wound spell, I think it was the spell. Now that cleric had an interesting uh, spell that he used in the first battle, which was a spectral hand, and that was really cool, because he could send the hand into the battle, and with it he could cast burning hands or cure light wounds. But it, there was a limit on the kinds of spells that could be cast. But it was a really cool spell. And and the fact that he had burning hands, I think I think that's a magic user spell. That's why I kind of think that was a magic user cleric character. But anyway, I'm digressing from my script here that I've obviously written. So we found soon found the village of the Bullywogs. And there were the two big bads. At first we saw a shaman warning us to leave. And when we didn't, a large Bullywog warrior stepped out of a wooden uh, hut. In the center of the town, before he had stepped out, already we had seen the Hobbit Protector. We assumed it was the Hobbit Protector chained up to a post. He was guarded by some Bullywog guards. The Shaman stepped forward to start battling us with magic when the warrior had stepped out of the hut. Um, here, during this battle, I think my character, Fion, really shined. In the first round of action, she cast Bull Strength on Sean's fighter. Even though he was missing with a lot of critical ones, the spell bumped his strength up to 22, making it much harder for him to miss and contributing to massive damage if he did happen to get a, a strike in. Besides, he was bound to start rolling hits soon, right? Right? Then... Theon cast Dust Devil and steered it towards the warrior Bullywug. Initially, I was going to send it to the Shaman to help break up the Shaman's spells, but before, while I was casting Bull Strength, the Shaman cast Mirror Image on itself. So I felt the bang for the buck would be better to go to the warrior. As this was happening, the thief had already crept around the pond and surprised the warrior, throwing a vial of some kind of explosive substance onto him which we had found earlier in the crypt that we searched after the battle with the ghouls and the whites, or, or the ghasts and the zombie. There was some dissension in the group, however, whether the thief should throw it on the warrior or on the wooden hut he had come, come out of. I voted the warrior, for it seemed to me that the, all the baddies were already on the field of play. Others felt that there had to be something more sinister to come, and it was probably inside that wooden hut. I don't know, though. I, I felt I was picking up on the DM's tells to us. It seemed pretty clear to me that he played. He had played all his pieces. He had put all his pieces on the battlefield. Fortunately, in my opinion, the thief did decide to throw it on the warrior. Unfortunately for the thief, the warrior returned the favor and gave him the blessing of Wastry, which turned the poor guy into an ugly toad man. But the DM assured us it would wear off later, probably in time for the banquet later that night. Next, the magic user cast Ice Storm over the warrior. Now, she initially had been fretting about whether or not she should cast it at all, or if she did, where she should cast it. She was worried about killing the hobbit. I said, go ahead and cast it over the center of the town and, and hit the big bads, 
And if the uh, if the halfling happened to die, unfortunately, we would just have to explain it to the uh, to the halfling village that we tried our best. But she waited and ended up casting it just over the warrior. But it would have affected our thief now at this point and my dust devil, which was doing damage to the warrior. But fortunately, both made their saves and survived. But so did the warrior. But his hit points were definitely being eroded. On our side of the encounter, giant toads sprung from ponds and attacked me, the magic user, and our ranger, who had actually moved ahead to try to forestall the guards from getting to me and the magic user. Our other cleric also was hanging back and using his hand, his, uh, his spectral hand that I explained, and he used it, uh, I think, either to cast burning hands. I think he did use it to do burning hands, which got rid of some of the... Uh, magic mirrors, uh, or he used it to cure, uh, to cure light wounds on the thief, or, or he might have done both. But the the, the that is, um, Sonny's character was very active with that hand until it wore out. So uh, the fighter, that other fighter, because Sean's fighter after getting bull's strength moved forward to engage in the battle. On the way, he killed one of the toads. And then he went right for the shaman. But our fighter stepped forward and helped me kill the toad on me. And in the meantime, our magic user took terrible damage from a toad. So I ordered the fighter to run to her and shield the magic user. So I could then pass along to her my potion of cure serious wounds. We succeeded in doing so. And that probably saved our magic user's life. Because next she cast hold person on the warrior, which allowed us to dispatch him. And I then cast it at the shaman. Now, as I said, I think somehow we already destroyed some of the mirrors on the shaman. So my whole person ended up uh, destroying the last mirror. Or maybe not the last mirror. I think Sean's fighter got there and he also destroyed one of the mirrors. But finally, the shaman stood alone in full view of us. And I next cast a spell, uh, Sun Scorch. And between Sean finally hitting after switching some dice, he, he ditched dice, he tried some other dice, and finally we decided to use someone else's dice, the two of us finally started rolling pretty well, and we were able to put down the shaman simultaneously. Now, there was a lot of funny stuff uh, going on in the game. Sonny's cleric received some bad karma. On a critical miss or a critical hit against them, I wasn't paying attention, his arm went limp. Next, he had some other hilarious things happen to him. Our ranger pulled his back on a critical miss and also went limp. Unfortunately for the guy playing the ranger, she ended up taking a lot of damage and actually died. I think she was our only casualty, which we couldn't bring back. Uh, we had no other deaths. After the shaman was dead, uh, we went into the hut and learned, we heard a voice coming out of the hut saying, help me. And we ended up saving a, a princess that had been kidnapped, a young princess who had been kidnapped and, and by these bullywogs. So it's a good thing we didn't throw that bomb on the hut or we would have killed that princess. And of course, we saved the halfling. Lord Gasumbo seemed pretty impressed with the way we, we, um, we solved this, this, ba this battle. Uh, I think he felt it was going to be a lot harder for us, but the fact that I saved almost all my spells for the end, and fortunately the magic user did too, 
uh, really now, but the magic user had to use quite a bit of few spells in the previous battle against those ghouls and the gas, or else we would have been in serious trouble. But I, I really came through with my magic. I felt, and um, you know, we forgot to vote on it during the game. We were told to vote on the player of the game. Uh, but we forgot by the end because we really had such a great time, and 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 it was all very self congratulatory at the end, and taking pictures with Lord Gasumba, and and he was thrilled. He I think he had a great time with us. Uh, we forgot the vote, and, and now in retrospect, honestly, considering how well Fiona contributed to the defeat of the big bads, uh, she saved the magic user from death turned a bunch of the ghouls in the previous fight, and, and rushed ahead in the very first encounter heroically and took on uh, two bullywogs and two toads all by herself for a, for a time before my companions were able to come to my aid. I feel, I feel Fionn was really the player of the game. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It just sort of was circumstantial. The thief, however, had a, did a lot of damage in the fights and was really good with his back attacks. And the ranger was very brave, always out in front, and did a lot of damage with his bow, with her bow. So, you know, I, in my opinion, they were very close seconds, as was Sonny's character, the, the magic user cleric. And then I felt, you know, Sean's character just missed a lot throughout the whole game and really didn't shine until the end. The other fight, fighter did, did some good things, but really didn't shine until the end. Um... And and I the other magic user, like I said, was either rolling ones or twenties. So so I thought Theon had the best game of, of them all, and and I'm gonna toot toot her horn a little. I, you know, I kind of dug her. Yeah, she was a good character. That was a really fun game, though. It really got Saturday off to a great start. In the next segment, I'll talk about the next game I played on Saturday with Sean and with Sonny. Alas. This episode is getting just a little too long. It's already over 45 minutes. It includes that really amazing rap that MW recorded and provided all the vocals for all on his own. Now, I stole the music, the backtrack, from the Beastie Boys. I hope they don't come after me and send me a cease and desist or sue me even. I love the Beastie Boys, so I know they won't do that to me. And they'll probably really enjoy this podcast if they happen to listen to it. So if you're one of their lawyers out there, come on, man. Give me a break. Give me a break. I'm, I'm a starving artist, really. So, And I'm not making any money from this anyway. So what the hell are you going to get? You can just send me the cease and desist. So that was a great rap. Hope you all enjoy it. This is the first time I ever recorded a rap song. Um, and probably will be the last. But uh, I will pick up the remainder of the expo in my next episode of the worlds of mw lewis i will cover my last two games some other things that i did at the at the expo i will cover not my last two games my last two games on saturday plus what happened on sunday and then of course that will be it and maybe in that next episode it'll be my third january episode i'll, I'll throw in three readings from Monday Night AD&D, as well as a correction to a correction which was incorrect. Yes, that's right. A correction to a correction which was incorrect. Yes, that's how it goes. So that's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it.
Don't forget to explore the many worlds in your own mind.